Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello, 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 and welcome to this topical life. Um, you that have seen my video today on this topical life or my personal page, I have a special guest because you know all my guests are special, but there is a secret um, surprise guest, okay? And I'm so excited to introduce you to her or you to her. Her name is Chelsea Lochner. Yay! And guess what? She is da, 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 my sister. Okay. Surprise. Okay. So, um, Chelsea, just a little bit before we get into it. Uh, this is the first guest that is not technically my immediate, immediate family, but outside of my immediate family. So Chelsea is the first, which is really cool. Um, and she's got some stories to tell you and honestly narrowing down, um, how, and what we're going to talk about, honestly, there is a ton to talk about. And so in an hour, we're going to cover a lot. Um, the title, uh, if you haven't noticed, is uh, my son was 15. And we're going to, you know, skim over that a little bit, just like what it was like with the experience, because I think a lot of people kind of want to know, okay, what is it actually like to get tested and um, going to a hospital, doing all those things um, for the mother and the father and, and the child. Um, we'll talk about that. But also we're going to talk about the majority of talking about quarantine and quarantine for us now versus quarantine, what it was like for Chelsea. And I'm going to let Chelsea explain all of that, um, what she's been through with quarantine, because this is not her first rodeo guys. Um, in fact, she was on years of quarantine and, um, it's interesting to be able to talk about this because, um, her being her sister, um, I think when she was going through so much with all of the lockdown, so to speak, of just um, having to be at home so much, I think our family, or at least for me, it was like uh, very fight or flight in the sense of just like, oh my gosh, is is your, is Lily okay? Is this okay? Like we were more just hanging on by every thread, whereas Chelsea was having more of a in depth experience and just a whole different walk than what her family members were seeing. Um, at least not all of it, you know, um, that we could talk about. So for me, some of this is new and, um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, publicly talking to you about this as, um, as this precious sisterhood that we have, um, to dive into more of what that experience was like for you. So a lot of you hearing right now, this is the first time I've actually heard some of this as well. So, um, yeah. Anyway, Chels. Chelsea Lagna. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, um, you know, are you married? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. Praise God I'm married <laughs> because I'm fairly certain I wouldn't have been able to walk as far as I have so far in life without my spouse. So absolutely. His name's Brian and he's yes, wonderful. we both married Brian's. We did. Um, I met my Brian first. <laughs> competition also oh, our, our brother's oh. name is also brian yeah it's not weird at all <laughs> we always say if there's an emergency in our family just yell brian yeah someone will show help. up that's someone right show up. um yeah he was my high school sweetheart and um 
yeah, we've, we've been through a lot and added a whole lot of titles to who we are and how we operate, but that was the first one. So, yeah. Well, and how many kids do you have? We have two, we have a seven-year-old son, Skylar, um, and a five, she just turned five, five-year-old daughter, Leora. We call her Lily. So I'm sure I'll call her that in, inside of this realm. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, let's start with COVID-19. So basically we're going to go to right now and then kind of go backwards as far as like what quarantine life is like, you know, what I just said. So how was it, how did it go down for you? And granted she's in Texas. So I know probably every state has a different way of doing it, but I just think like, what was it like? How, what did you do? Yeah. So, um, basically our mom, whenever everything was unfolding, it was the beginning of our spring break. And my mom lives local to us. We, like she said, we live in Texas and we had spent the first part of spring break together. And, um, so that's, as everything was unfolding, we were together. And then, uh, we came home and two days later, uh, my mom started not feeling well and having, um, pneumonia like symptoms. And so she went to the doctor and, uh, had pneumonia in both lungs, flew at the bottom of both lungs and wasn't in a great spot, low grade fever, that sort of thing. Um, and so they tested her for COVID and they said it would take about, oh, I think they said five to seven days for the results at first initially. And, uh, so then fast forward, that was on a Thursday. And then the following weekend, my son started getting sick as well. And, he kind of just started going downhill. Um, fever started coming on and, uh, yeah, he had a sore throat. He had a lot of sweats and chills and, uh, just those sorts of symptoms. He had nausea. Um, and yeah, so we basically took him, uh, or we, I called the doctor and I said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> he may have been exposed. My mom has a pending test. We don't know if hers is positive which, or not. Which mom's test was like at that point, eight days in, right? I mean, it was pretty far in. I think it was test. like day six or something. Okay. And yeah. They, my doctor was, my son's doctor was like, they don't have the test result yet. And I said, no. And she said, well, I want you to tell me how long it's going to be before you get that test result. And so we talked to, uh, there to my mom's doctor and that doctor was like, well, now it's going to be 10 business days. So, and I was like, are there still business days right now? In labs? <laughs> like, is that a thing? <laughs> and they were like, we don't really know. And so <laughs> yeah. we're all kind of like figuring this out together. And so bottom line, our pediatrician was like, okay, well, I want you to bring him here and I will, I want you to stay outside. I will come downstairs. Her office is in like an office building type atmosphere. And she said, I'll come downstairs, come outside. A nurse will completely suited up head to toe in all the stuff. And then she's going to hand you a swab and I want you to swab him for a strap and then hand it back to the nurse. She'll bring it back up and then I'll come downstairs and through the window, I'll assess him as best I can. He also had a swollen ankle. Uh, he was, he was complaining of like some joint pain, which was bizarre. And so anyway, she assessed him and then she's on the phone with me the whole time she's assessing him. So I did the strep swab nurse goes back up. She comes back down. He gets assessed. She's like, you know, I, 
I'm sure it's viral. I don't think it's strep. I don't know. Um, and so they go back up. The quick strep is negative. And so she said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and prescribe an antibiotic um, just in case. And then we'll check in with you tomorrow. I said, okay. And so the next morning we wake up and Skylar's complaining of chest pain and like he's having a hard time breathing. And it was kind of alarming because I didn't ask him. I wasn't like, can you breathe? You know, I wasn't like prompting these questions um, that are like fear provoked right now for all, you know, for what everybody's experiencing. So I didn't ask the questions, but he just offered that up. So I was like, well, that's, that's kind of concerning, you know? <laughs> and so my yeah, doctor, it's like, the top, it's like the top three situation, like right. top three problems that you can. Right. Do. And mom's got the pending test, you know? And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is why they didn't want to touch him because they didn't know for sure what right. it was. Yeah. So, uh, the next day, uh, they basically, she called, I gave her the update and she was like, I need you to go to the ER immediately. And this is the place I know they're offering tests. And it was a, an ER that we're vastly familiar with because of our history, um, of, of sickness in our family. But, uh, anyway, I said, okay. And so off we went to the ER. And at that moment, you know, we're all kind of, I knew my mom was sick, so we had stayed away from them. Um, and because she was sick, we were really already taking steps to just stay in our home because we didn't know what we had been exposed to. Um, and we didn't want to expose anybody to anything. And so we were already, you know, stepping up our Walmart, uh, grocery pickup game and shipped and all that sort of stuff. And so we were pretty much at home already. Um, so my husband had already transitioned also to working from home. And so he stayed home with our daughter and I went ahead and went on to the ER and, um, I'm used to packing a bag for the ER. So I just kind of threw things in. I know I might need, you know, and I've got this big bag that I just, it's like a giant tote, you know, just walking to the ER with all my stuff knowing, you know, I don't know if they're going to have a stay until we get a test result or what it'll look like, you know? Um, but she also wanted, our pediatrician also wanted him to be x-rayed to make sure his lungs were fine. So since she couldn't listen to him, you know, through the window. Um, so, and she's an incredible pediatrician. I should also note that, that the way she handled the situation was absolutely beautiful and we love her. And, uh, and I think it's Can very, do a common. shout out, shout out, shout, shout out to Dr. Hopper, Matt. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, she's awesome. And her office staff is incredible and just did an amazing job of keeping taps on us and checking on us and checking on our mom. Uh, so anyway, yeah, fast forward, we get to the ER. Um, again, I'm vastly familiar with the ER. We walk in, there's, they have registration basically set up in the airlock or intake. I would call it, uh, is set up in the airlock of the, which do you guys know what that is? Like sliding glass doors, you walk in and then there's well, is there usually a sign that says you can't go in there or something? No, you usually walk in all the way into the ER and then turn to the right. And then there's like all of registration it's inside. Okay. So they had like computers pulled into the airlock oh, wow. and wow. Yeah. stationed there with their masks on. And they just immediately, you know, further than six feet away, start asking you some kinds of questions. Um, you know, what sort of symptomology do you have? Which pretty much all our answers were, yes, he basically is a mess. And, uh, you know, have you been exposed? One of the things that they asked that was more uh, specific than what they typically ask was, have you traveled anywhere not just outside of the U S in the last month, but inside of the U S um, in the last month as well. And our answer was no. And then they also ask, have you traveled anywhere in Texas? <laughs> so Texas is big. Yeah. 
but just right. interesting because they really wanted to know your whereabouts because there's kind of hot spots everywhere. So uh, then they took us immediately to a room. They didn't stop and do his vitals. Uh, they asked me how much he weighed. Um, and yeah, we went immediately to an isolation room. So it has a, it's one of those that has a room next to it so they can like gown all the way up, come in, you know, do what they need to do and then go out into that room, degown, throw it all in the trash and then exit the premises kind of, so to speak. Um, so we were in one of those rooms and it was interesting and, um, I sobering, I would say I have a lot of memories that are really warm and cozy in the ER and a lot of incredible interactions with amazing healthcare providers that, I mean, just are phenomenal. If you go to, uh, you know, a hospital that's, that's for children, they just do such an incredible job of interacting with like warmth and, um, I, you know, big facial expressions and just really getting on kids levels. And this was just like, hi, how, you know, I mean, it was just like very, they couldn't do what they typically do. First of all, cause they have so much PPE on, but, um, they also just are trying to get in and out and be efficient because they're trying to minimize the risk for everybody. Um, so there was nothing wrong with it. Again, love this hospital. Um, they're incredible, but it was a vastly different experience than anyone I've had. Um, the doctor came in one time total the whole time we were there. Um, and she came in suited up. She didn't compromise care or doing his, you know, evaluation, checking on him and all that sort of stuff, his examination. Um, but she, after that she left and whenever we got the results of the test that they did run, which was like the whole, um, well, actually she didn't get all the results. She got the results of the quick strap and there was one other and they were both negative. Like flu, and she, right? Well, she, they waited to give us those results. They didn't have the whole respiratory and flu panel back yet. Uh, but she called me with the results that they did, did have like on the phone in the room, instead of coming in and giving me the results, she called, uh, and I, I was like, is that phone ringing on the wall? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like I'm not used to a phone ringing in the, in an ER room. And so I answer it. I'm like, hello, <laughs> you know, I don't, <laughs> are you calling to bring me food? No, <laughs> but yeah. So I answered it and she was like, Hey, can you see me? And I turned and looked out the door that I could see like straight out the door. And she's like, hi, <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, hi. I'm like, this can't be good. If she doesn't want to come back in. So, uh, yeah, she told me the results they had so far were negative and she wanted us to go home and wait for the rest of the results. If they were negative, then they would send the same panel that they used, same swab that they used for flu and RSV and all the respiratory illnesses. They would take that same swab and forward it on for COVID testing. Um, so they had already done, already swabbed him for it, which we didn't even realize. Um, at some point in there, they had also written a big cue on our door for, I'm assuming, quarantine. Um, and so that was fascinating. The nurse came in the room, I think a total of three times, um, one to x-ray, one at the beginning for the initial assessment and all the questions and stuff they ask, and then one for discharge. And the last one for discharge, I mean, they just, they really had to, they were trying as best they could to consolidate entrances to the room. I'm certain for, you know, reasons to conserve PPE, but also you know, not have as many opportunities to exposure should he be positive, you know? Yeah. So, um, whenever they came in at the end, I had already called twice the nurse's station because he was 
I mean, shaking like a fish having chills and was freezing and his fever was going up and he was really struggling. And so I just said, he's really uncomfortable. He needs, you know, he, it was time for him to have more medicine basically. And they're like, okay, we're coming. And, you know, it took 30 minutes for them to get in there. And when they came in, they came with the discharge paperwork, the medicine, the everything. And then, you know, the doctor had also on the phone, given me specific instructions as to how to leave, like, you know, walk far behind and, um, you know, don't yeah. touch anything. Um, and whenever you hit the button to like exit the wing, you it's with your elbow, you know, solid elbow tap. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a fascinating experience and, um, eerie waving, like whenever we left, uh, you know, we waved goodbye to the nurses and you just, they're all staring at you, hoping you're not a COVID case, but also smiling through all their masks. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was, it was interesting. Um, but his lungs were clear. And since his lungs were clear, we got to leave. That was the other result was the x-ray. So with all of that, um, you did get the result, but in the end he, he didn't have COVID and not, mm -mm. he did not, but yet we still don't know what that was. It was no flu, um, no strep, um, no COVID. Uh, it was a freaky thing and he was really sick. Yeah. I I'm familiar, like with having our history of medical ailments that we've been exposed to in our family, it's okay. Like I, that doesn't make me like, I don't need an answer. Like there's just right. with all of our experience, I've learned that there's just tons of viruses and there's no way to test for all of them. There's just not. And some are fluky and they all can look different and yeah, they vary. And there's just not a test for all of them. And that's okay. Cause they're not all life-threatening and um, oftentimes what is life-threatening is the symptoms more than like the virus itself. And so if they can figure out a way to treat the symptoms, it's okay. Um, so yeah. So, which brings me to the next thing, um, which is quarantine. So he, they put you on at least what, two weeks. Well, so they said 14 days or, you know, if it was a positive test result, whenever we got the test result, it might be longer, but they said they would wait to see the result. And if it was a negative test result, then we would be fine. If he was like, uh, symptom free for seven days. Cause that means it was a different sort of virus. And he was not outside. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. He wasn't outside. He wasn't, he didn't even go outside. Like no, that. we couldn't figure out how he caught what he caught. It made no sense. Cause we had been home. Uh, I mean, he hadn't been anywhere. He was at school. So Friday school got out. We went to our parents' house. Fast forward. We went home Tuesday, Thursday, my mom got sick. And then that following weekend, like, and like Sunday, Monday, Skylar started going downhill a little bit. And so in the Tuesday, he got really bad. And that's when I called the doctor. So it was well, I mean, it was a while. It was like 10 days from him being at school, which is a very long incubation to catch something. So yeah, who knows, but it did turn out that mom's test was negative and hers took 11 days to get back altogether. And when we got her negative test, um, Skylar's pediatrician was waiting with bated breath to get that information. And so uh, I got to call them and tell them, and they literally cheered in their pediatrician office for mom. <laughs> it was so yeah. sweet. It was a really cool, I mean, it's a 
crazy time to live through something like this, but the beauty of humanity is also brightest in the darkness, right? Like when is, where does light shine the brightest? It's in the darkness. And so, um, yeah, it was one of those moments where that was certainly a truth. So do you remember the other day when we were talking, um, I was saying how I was in the line at Chick-fil-A, like (laughs) the bad guy and the beauty of humanity, but it also could be a little scary. I was in the line of Chick-fil-A, you know, they have it all dialed in how you do it. And, um, this truck like gets behind, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was like, one was going the wrong way and the other truck was going the right way. And somehow they got in a big fight and granted, I haven't been out of the house in like forever. So it was like, this was a big adventure, you know, go to Chick-fil-A. And so I see this guy and I love what Chelsea said, but like, I see this guy and he starts, they start cussing out, cussing each other out about what direction they were going in. And then once I see one spit on the other person in the car and the other person spit on the other person in the other car. And, and I was like, are you, I cannot believe this is happening. And Chelsea was just like, that's like a death sentence. Like in this state, <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm like, that'd be the worst thing to do. I mean, I'm sure the guy would rather be punched than spit on because it was like COVID, you know, but I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. It can bring, it can be scary for a lot of people, but also, yeah, I agree that you do see some amazing things. And with that, um, you know, I love hearing you talk about your experience with the court or not with quarantine, but just like figuring out the virus and this and that, because I think a lot more parents and, you know, people would be generally a little bit more scared than you are. And it's just so obvious that you've been through so much because you know what is, what is, and, um, have such an amazing faith to just like trust something to work out, you know, and to know when to be emergent and when to not. And, um, you know, so I want to dig more deep into that, but also again, like with the quarantine, let's back up to Lily because yes, Skylar has had some health issues, but the thing that really kept you at home in a real quarantine was with Lily. And so let's back up to that situation. Mm -hmm. So like when you found out what she had, let's start there. Okay. Uh, so she was actually born with it. It's called autoimmune neutropenia. And what it is, is her body did a terrible job making white blood cells. So she didn't, she was constantly immune compromised. Um, and it's not an autoimmune disorder in a sense of like a lot of other autoimmune disorders, cause it's a blood, it's a true blood disorder. Um, and so it has that component of difficulty to it. Like I couldn't alter much of our life to help it, so to speak. Um, so though we tried at the beginning and, um, and then we found out what was going on, but we, I don't think we realized what she actually had. I don't think we got the diagnosis until she was over one. She was probably 15 or 16 months old whenever we figured it all out. Um, and that whole story is crazy of how we figured it out, but, uh, probably in a relevant detail for tonight. But anyway, she, uh, yeah, she was diagnosed with that. And with that came, I mean, we were, we're sitting down basically with an oncologist and hematologist wondering if we're about to be told if our kid has cancer. And so we, uh, 
you know, walked that moment out, um, and praise God it wasn't, but it was also something else that was very much so an indefinite sentence that would change how we walked around life and the pace at which we, um, took it, so to speak. And it definitely was basically because she was immune compromised. It was like, she lived life on the edge for years. Um, because when you have this disorder, like you don't know if she's going to die or not. Well, you're constantly at risk for sepsis, which is awful. Um, and can take you out like that. If you don't have white blood cells at all, like it's a dangerous thing when your body does function properly. And when you don't have white blood cells, it's very much so life-threatening. So you have to avoid her going into some sort of septic shock at any moment. Um, which means bacteria, you have to keep your house very clean. You have to live a very clean life. You have to not expose her to much bacteria because literally think about, you know, staff is everywhere. It's literally on our skin at all times. You know, that can, that can evolve into something crazy for her. So it was, uh, it was a tough, uh, really it was the, like the first probably six to eight months were the toughest because we had to stay home all the time. Like I pretty much didn't go anywhere. Uh, and you also don't forget you had Skylar who was how old at that time? Four, I think. (laughs) Right. It's a blur. Yeah. Counting is really hard. Um, (laughs) no, not because it's counting because you were literally like, right. Yeah. No, I just made it through. It's fine. Um, but I mean, listen, like here's the deal. Like the Chick-fil-A peeps, I don't know, were they men or women, whoever they were like in the parking lot, ready to throw down and spitting at each other. Like (laughs) in these moments, in these moments where we are desperate, we do, we have to shatter. And what I find is once you shatter, once you surrender, once you get rid of your crazy and surrender, then you can build the mosaic. Then for me, God picked me up and starting putting, putting these pieces into play in creating this view of my life, I could have never guessed or had a desire for, but boy, was it more beautiful than anything I could anticipate. Um, because it wasn't filled with fear of living on the edge. It was filled with conquering, staring at death and knowing that life can still be so beautiful. Um, and so I see, I, you know, I think of those people at Chick-fil-A and I'm like, yeah, they're, you know, they're in the middle of their breaking. Like, this is where we are as a, as a human people right now. Like we're trying to figure this out and it's ugly and messy and hard. And we're sharing things on Facebook and other social media places that I'm like, do you want to do that right now? <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but it's okay. Like we got to have grace for it and love people through it. Because if there was ever a time to have extraordinary grace, it's in extraordinary times. And so, um, yeah, anyway, need I digress? Um, well, with that though, being in quarantine though. So that was like yeah, six sorry. to eight. Wait, what? I was just saying, sorry, I got way off track. <laughs> oh no, there is no, there's no such thing as no, there's no such thing as off track. Um, but you were in quarantine and you were at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. your outlook is so different now and, and, and in the light of combat COVID-19 here, but then mm-hmm. it was, you're in a different spot because not everyone was in combat COVID-19. You were alone, essentially. Yeah. Your family was alone. And so what was that like for you? And I always like to ask the question, like when someone has been through something super duper hard, um, 
I always like to ask the question, what, what did your worst day look like? So I can name a few things, you know, you couldn't go to birthday parties. You had a four-year-old son. He was stuck at home. He's an extrovert, by the way, like extreme needs to be busy, needs to be doing things. Um, super intelligent, very high paced, um, stuck at home and you're stressed out and your husband's working a ton. Um, you know, nothing was really in a sense, very stable. What did your worst day look like? Um, my, my worst day was her first birthday. We didn't know what was wrong yet. And it was just a total mess. And I can't remember all the details of it. I just remember being at my breaking point and standing in the kitchen and sobbing on the phone to the pizza guy <laughs> who I had ordered yeah. pizza from for my daughter's birthday. And she was at my feet, like hanging on to my legs, crying. And the pizza guy was being so mean to me and he oh didn't put me on mute. He just I had called to ask if he could change the time of delivery and the pizzas were already in the oven. And he turned to his boss and he was like, Hey, this idiot that just ordered pizza wants to know if she can change the time. And I was like, <gasps> like, I, <laughs> I just was like, um, I, I'm canceling my order. And I hung up <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it was that moment where I'm like, this is like, I don't, I don't have the capacity to deal with the lack of sanity in my home, let alone the rudeness of strangers. Like I didn't have it in me. And so I cut it off, you know? Um, and my husband got home with Skylar and I can't even remember where they had gone to clean up another mess. I think I can't remember what else went wrong that day, but, uh, when he got home, I was like, you have to call and order other pizza because I can't like, I just, it was a disaster. I had, she had been crying for months at that point, daily, all day because of pain she was in because she had some GI issues, which is what led us to discovering. She also had this blood disorder, uh, but it was awful. And she had been get, getting sick a lot already. She, you know, like a sick every week, constant fevers and stuff like that. Um, so I was just done. Like her first birthday was a breaking point for me. And I knew our lives were probably going to change and look different and that I'd have to advocate for her quite a bit. Um, so it was like this shift of like, I am done trying to figure out how to be a mom like this, like things have to shift in my life and they did. And yeah, so I don't know. It was just this moment of, was it surrender at that point then? That surrender saying? mixed with fortitude of like, I'm done, you know, just, yeah. I, I, this isn't okay. This can't remain. And I'm not going to deal with people treating me like crud also like we're done. And not that a lot of people treat me like cred. That was just the icing on the cake in that moment. And I think it kind of pushed me into being like, you know, that fight or flight, that fight came alive. And I was like, um, okay, here I go. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, all bear just entered the room yeah. back now, <laughs> but, but then it, so that, so at six to eight months though, that's when things started to, you know, look like she had some issues. And then at year, that's when you find that out. Mm -hmm. You're already done with that. But then 
much of her early couple few years was you did have a diagnosis, but every time she had a fever, you had to go to the emergency room. Correct. So it was every, yeah. it was, it was, they treated it like a life or death. Yeah. Because they had to make sure she wasn't going into sepsis and that she didn't have a bacterial infection and that she had enough neutrophils to, uh, to, to battle an infection basically. So they had to do labs every time we were close to putting in a port by the time it was all over with, because she had blown all her veins. She had too much scar tissue built up. So they had a hard time getting an IV placed towards the end of all of it, which was really amazing that she made it that long without needing a port. Cause it was like almost four years. Um, and so, yeah, it was every time she was sick and because of her illness, she got sick way more frequently than most people do. So there were weeks where we were at the ER three times a week, four times a week, every other day. And, um, that's just how it went with her. And, you know, it also, if the fever persisted and we didn't get admitted and her counts were okay upon, you know, it starting if within 24 hours, it, it hadn't gone down some, uh, we'd have to go back and do it all again and then potentially be admitted if her counts weren't good enough either. So it was, um, you know, so many, uh, 3am trips to the ER, midnight trips to the ER. Um, it was, my husband would typically stay with our son and I would typically run point on most of those visits, but, um, he would go sometimes too. Uh, but it was a lot. I don't know how many it was. And Brian and I have tried not to track how much money it was, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but yes, inside of all of that, we certainly had to stay inside and keep to ourselves. And it was an isolating feeling because people couldn't really understand it. It's such a b bizarre, like diagnosis. In fact, it's even called benign neutropenia is one of its like other names, which makes it sound like it's benign. Like, this is fine. You yeah. Know, but all that means it. is it's not, it's not from cancer. It's not cancer related. Um, a lot of cancer patients have this as a result of chemo. Um, right. so her body was acting kind of reacting like it was receiving chemo all the time is how her body was walking around. If that kind of is a parallel, she wasn't as, um, she didn't have some of the other chemo side effects like nausea regularly, but, but her she body had GI was stuff though. Right. Yeah. But that's a separate, that was a separate issue. Okay. Um, but yeah, so her body was just constantly immunocompromised. And so we stayed home a lot. We cleaned a lot. Uh, and at first people, you know, were very, um, just awesome and supportive and all that sort of stuff. But as time wore on, it's like, people would kind of be like, yeah, how's she doing? What does she have again? You know, cause it's just hard to remember. And this isn't a negative statement about them. It's just a reality of what we walked through, you know? Um, and so it, it was a little bit isolating because it was hard for people to wrap their brains around it all the way, or really kind of understand the extent of it or, um, the, you know, ramifications it had on our day-to-day -day life, but that's okay. They didn't necessarily need to. And so I think I found resolve in a sense of like, just in that time, in that quarantine, <laughs> um, I found yeah. resolve in, uh, just looking around me and, for me, it was very much so faith-based, just kind of surrendering and uh, asking what God wanted me to experience in this season. Um, I have made so many plans in my life and they just are, they, they were great ideas. 
Um, but they were not how life went. And, um, and oftentimes I think that's what happens is life doesn't go the way we want it to go. And so when that happens, we get a choice. We can either, um, throw a fit and, you know, do my, like, this is how I feel like I talk to God a lot. Like, what's that about? You know, like (laughs) just, you know, uh, but, or we can look around and try to find the good. Anytime the glass is half empty, it is also half full. And so what does that fullness look like? How is it defined? You know, one of the questions I think, um, I, I love that. I heard recently that kind of summarizes how I think I got through that time is, uh, what's saving your life right now. Like, you know, what's saving your life right now on any given day. And that can be a heavy question. Like it can be a heavy answer. Um, or it could be like wine is saving my life, you know, um, or it could be uh, friendship is saving my life, or it could be, um, you know, flexibility is saving my life. Um, today, even I realized like, I was thinking of that question because today was a tough day in the homeschool realm. And with my son, not necessarily with the curriculum, just he drew the day out to be like six and a half hours of homeschool. And he had probably three hours of stuff we could do. And, uh, it was just really, really challenging and trying. And my daughter literally was streaking through his like zoom class calls. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, please stop. Like why get your clothes on? Why are they off again? Like get away from your yeah. brother's camera, you know, like just, um, trying to figure it out. And there, and I mean, of course, if you react to it, she's going to do it more. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm getting a reaction. I want to be oh naked my now. Gosh. I mean, just what are you doing child? And so, yeah, just trying to you know, navigate all the things that kind of pop up when you have two young kids that really kind of need hands-on love all day long. And they're suddenly with you all day long. And so you're doing more with them and for them, um, with less like you time, you know, so you're doing more with less functionality and you're trying to do your best. And so today I just found myself asking myself, that question is what's saving my life today. And it was really sweet. Actually, the answer that came to mind was, um, self-control because like I probably, you know, I was harsh on my son at one point, you know, I got snippy with him and yelled at him and all that sort of stuff. But man, there was probably at least 40 times before that, where I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe tomorrow I'll make it 43, <laughs> you know, but I will say like, we tend to look at our weaknesses and say like, Oh my gosh, like I am having such a hard time dealing with my kids in my house all the time, you know, but we could also look at that sentence and flip it and say, but there's all this time that I'm doing it and it's okay. And it's good. And they're thriving. Still they're smiling. They're laughing. They have enough energy to irritate me. Like things are still actually really good, you know? Um, so Yeah. It's interesting because two things, um, one is that I had asked you just like with being in quarantine now and quarantine, what it was like then, I mean, there are differences, but I asked you, do you feel like you have PTSD? Like when you think about what it's like now for you going through it versus, you know, just reminders of like, Oh, like that feeling, like there's things in my life that I'm just like, Oh, like it just takes me right back to that moment of, um, hardness, but for you, you said the thing that triggers you with 
with all of this was your friend's son being having cancer mm -hmm. that that actually uh emotionally triggered you more than say being in quarantine yeah oh yeah 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 because of just the the fact that you, of how close you were to death all the time yeah but also she's literally um like it she's literally like working with similar providers in the same rooms I was in, you know, I, I know what her stays look like. I, I'm just very familiar with that realm and having walked that hospital for years. Um, and you know, I know what it looks like for a doctor to break up with you and, and walk in like physical victory, but way before that moment have to walk in spiritual and mental victory until you get there. And so, um, I just, my heart was just ripped out and on the floor for her because I know how hard it is to walk into that fight, um, and keep your armor on the entire time. And you can do it. You totally can. And having your armor on doesn't mean you don't cry. It means that you do, you know, um, it means that you process. It means that you're real. It means that days are hard, but you forgive yourself for it. You know, it means that you fight to see beauty despite ugliness and, um, and you just learn that throughout. So that's what like triggered the PTSD for me was just aching for her that she was going to have to go through that. Um, you know, but really, uh, the quarantine didn't this time. I was like, I'm not going to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been treating my whole life. Understand. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys yeah. were quarantining together apart. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I, yeah. it was there awesome. It. There is something yeah. to that. I mean, Oh, totally. If you think about, you know, the time that you were in quarantine alone, it's like, I just think about, cause I'm in tend to be more extroverted. just like all the birthday parties I miss out on, or just the, everyone wants to do everything like everybody else, like have the birthday parties, go to the, do the things, you know, have these normal so-called experiences with your kids. Yeah. And that was essentially just ripped out from underneath you and very quickly had to have a new normal. Um, yeah, I think you just learn your yeses and your nos. Like that did was you feel left out. Like, what was that emotionally like for you? Cause it just didn't hope it happened overnight. Right. I mean, did you generally feel sad sometimes? Sometimes, but you know, when you're dealing with small children also, it's kind of like, well, if my nose or nose, that just is what it is. And you kind of move forward and find your own joy and make your own parties, you know, do your own jam. Um, the thing about when we were in quarantine the first time, the rest of the world was not. So should we, my daughter was on shots as well. And so if her counts were good enough to where we could like leave the house and go do something, we could, you know, like if she was in, once her counts got stabilized through giving her shots regularly, um, we still were on the protocol of having to go to the ER all the time, but we could leave the house. And that was probably six to eight months after she was diagnosed. So probably after she was two, um, we could like start leaving the house. So my son was five and we couldn't do a ton of stuff, but like every, like we could go to the pumpkin patch outside, you know, and that was awesome and a huge win. And yeah, so there were things we could do to cope. Um, we were just tight knit and, uh, I really couldn't have done a whole lot of it. My husband also traveled a lot during that time working. And so regularly we'd have to call, uh, my mother-in-law or our mom and, they would help us tremendously walk through that season. And I really couldn't have gotten through it without the two of them linking arms with me to parent both of our kids. Like there's just no way. So yeah, I had, 
it was huge. It was incredible support and I couldn't have gotten through it without them. Um, but we did have to quarantine and I had to keep hand sanitizer, everybody's houses. And, you know, um, if like people were going to our parents' house or their uh, Brian, my husband's parents' house, you know, we'd have to have them use hand sanitizer and stuff like that and wash their hands and not hang out with her. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice this time that people and aren't asking you like, how's your daughter, you know, like yeah. every time I saw people last time that it, it was always like an update, but hard to follow because it was a unique situation. And so I'd have to update more a little bit. And, um, so it's a little different this time and that it's not, um, you know, this urgent, uh, familial update, but more so a communal, um, I don't know, linking of arms with everybody for the greater good of humanity right now, literally all over the world. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And so I don't know, I, I find it refreshing in a way and a little bit even redeeming of my past time, you know? Um, so yeah. And, um, another thing you had mentioned too, was advice that you would give to someone in quarantine. Now, all of us basically, um, whether you've practiced that in the past or that you're practicing it now is that you said, um, I, which I've already started to do, you said, identify what you will miss. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can we talk more about that? Yeah, for sure. I, I think we have a tendency to look at circumstances that would be defined as disastrous and leave it at that. Like there's no redeeming this. There is nothing good to look at here. And having walked on the edge of life with my daughter for as long as I did, that's just a flat out lie. There is always something redeeming to find. And, um, again, I feel like I found it through surrendering and, and oftentimes in prayer, like God would just bring to the forefront of my mind, his goodness. Um, I, I learned to gather my gratitude, um, and, and write it down because listen, man, like we are not, we're not promised anything, you know, and as time goes on, things change, you know, look at the seventies. I think sometimes too, I think like seventies, eighties, nineties, sometimes I think about how, sweet and innocent and clean and pure. Our childhood had the opportunity to be because it lacked social media. And there's times where I'm like, man, I, I would ache. I would give anything to be my mom raising kids, you know, um, yeah. because there was just a purity present in those times. And when you think through that and you realize, man, that was such a beautiful time. Well, guess what? So is today and tomorrow I'm going to look back on today and I'm going to be like, Oh, that was so awesome that was so awesome. Like, why didn't I take that and enjoy it? Why didn't I like grab hold of that and say, yes, this is good. Like that might be ugly, but it doesn't mean this is ugly. It doesn't mean everything is tainted. It doesn't mean beauty can't exist, you know, just cause there's a body of water and it goes really deep. It doesn't mean what's above the surface is ugly. Like the scenery can still be beautiful. Even if the water is deep and scary, like it's really not, it doesn't all have to be that deep, scary chasm we put ourselves into, you know, these places. And so I think for me, I definitely have to check myself on that is, you know, what am I going to miss, you know, and think through that lens of like, man, I'm, I'm going to miss this. 
staring at my kids who are only going to be five and seven right now. Like I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss their loudness and their craziness and watching them play charades at night. And, you know, um, us reading Harry Potter together for the first time, what am I going to miss? And if it's hard to identify something that you, you would miss, create it, you know, um, Tiff, you were telling me that Joey, your oldest is reading Harry Potter for the first time too. And he's in eighth grade. Well, dude, that's awesome. Like he's going to remember this moment by the time he finally read this epic series that, you know, is culturally amazing and totally relevant. And there's literally like, you know, an entire theme park built about it, you know? <laughs> um, and his mom is reading it as well. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that's so funny. Um, yeah. So identifying the things that you're going to miss. Um, we do have some questions out there right now. Um, if do we have Don, do you want to, do we have some questions? Okay. Let's get to those questions because, um, there's so much to pick Chelsea's brain about as well. And I don't want to hog her all to myself, but, um, there will be a couple of things I want to say before we close, but what are those questions, Don? Yeah. So we have a question from Grace who's watching us all the way from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, and, uh, her question is related to something you were just talking about, Chelsea. Um, what's the biggest win or joy you've seen this season that you've used to stay encouraged? Biggest win or joy I've seen in this season that I've used to stay encouraged that I've seen. Man. She hasn't Everyone. seen it yet. She hasn't seen it. I, uh, it might've been at Chick-fil-A because my experiences at Chick-fil-A are way more heavenly than Tiffany's. <laughs> well, that's because they're in the Bible belt. Okay. No, um, I, I think really like for me, if I could look at every moment, you know, and this is that whole, like, we're in this, we're in this moment as a society where we're all sitting across this big table and what's on the table is honestly death. It's literally scary and hard and we have to all look at it and we're all different people and we're coming to this table and we're looking at it. And what do we do with that? Right. And so for me, like death becomes less scary when I look at it through the lens of my faith. And so I, I look at that and I think a whole lot about how for me, it's not about my faith. Isn't about going to heaven someday. It's about bringing heaven to earth today. And so again, it goes back to how do I look at that big, scary thing and find heaven despite it? How do I pierce it with light? How do I look at that ugliness and poke holes in it and say, you don't have control of my joy, um, regardless of the fact that you exist. Like I'm, I'm not going to give it that, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't, I don't know if I would say there's like one specific moment, um, that I've had like an aha, oh my gosh, I'm holding on to this right now, um, forever other than like, I, I think we're all being refined in a whole new way. Um, you know, at the beginning of all of this, I think people were like, Hey, I'm going to get all these house projects done. People are like painting their homes. They're like redoing stuff, you know, and my big project, as it turned out was nothing I had signed up for. It was homeschool, <laughs> you know? Oh. And so I, 
I'm learning what that looks like. And the cool thing about that is I'm conquering something that, that was an invitation to conquer because of this season. And that's really, really cool because we're all being pushed into this capacity that's exposing places we didn't know we could travel to that's creating perseverance. We didn't know we had, um, you know, I think anytime you nudge up against, uh, against tension, you realize how strong you are. And that's what this, yeah, that's what this whole season is. It's giving us all an opportunity to, to discern for ourselves how much we can persevere, you know, and it's an incredible thing what we can do. Um, so I don't know. I feel like for me, that's what it is. It's, it's taking inventory day to day and saying, man, where was heaven on earth today? And where am I going to fight for it tomorrow? You know, for me, like, I feel like, um, you know, embracing the kids things. There's some personal things that I'm struggling with, with just like missing out on a few things that, um, I've mentioned this before my fifth grader, and then I have an eighth grader, just like some of the current things of what they're missing out on. I'm totally bummed about that, yeah. but even to outweigh that, just like, if I'm not even thinking about kids and those of you who don't even have kids or, um, or single or this or that, like some of the thoughts that I've had personally, just in my own thought is like, wow, I'm like, and this just sounds kind of, maybe it sounds weird, but like, I don't care. Um, you know, it's like, oh man, I really like doing less laundry, you know, or I really, really like, I make, and I'm thinking like the thoughts are starting to come where it's like, wow, I wouldn't have had time to do this had this not happened. Like, and it's not something that you can tell your brain to do. It's actually something that can actually just come. And the only reason, and the only way it comes is through situational. So like, I've noticed that, you know, the way we live our life and the way I, I happen to like the grind. I like having a system. I like having, um, to go, go, go. Like I thrive on that, but, but to what extent? And, and so I'm looking as time has gone on, even in this short, like few weeks, I'm just like, wow, I really didn't actually slow down. Like mm-hmm. I talked to myself, I thought to myself, well, I would schedule that or I would Sundays would just hit me and I would just be like in bed half the day, or we would just be super lazy. And I would say we were super lazy, but why did I have to say I was lazy? Like, it's just insane. The thoughts that have come to my head that are just like, wow, like this is opening my mind up to something different. Granted, I'm sad about a few things. Um, I'm happy about a few things and I'm also really tired. Like I was reading today. It was just like, some people are saying, um, oh, I'm super like, I can't, my sleep schedule's all screwed up because of stress or like the lack of job or, um, you know, just worried about everything. And for me, that stress usually hits me with more sleep. Like I want to sleep, 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 sleep. And yeah, I'm trying to do all the things to fight that, but it's like, my go-to is the sleep, you know, it's like, it's so weird, but it's like, you know, I'm fighting things as I'm experiencing them. Yeah. I mean, would you say that's how it is for you, Chelsea? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I think kind of this season has really kind of been polarizing too, in terms of like, it's too much it's just too much for everybody in different ways. Like some people have suddenly too much time on their hands. And so they're trying to figure out how to spend that time wisely. Um, and that's hard because there's temptation out there. There's like, you know, great things they can do or, you know, tiger King all day long, you know, like 
we're just trying to navigate how to get through it. And not that those things are bad. I honestly feel like those are a gift in this season to just kind of zone out. But at the same time, like if you have a ton of time on your hands, you know, and no little rugrats running around controlling your time, you know, it's a matter of how do you still rally to feeling like your purpose muscles were flexed that day? You know, how do you define that for yourself? And I don't really think anybody can define that for you. I think it's just a, you know, internal dialogue. You got to kind of define and, and take with you throughout the day and create a rhythm accordingly. But for me, I feel like my too much has been too much of like the, I mean, my kids are 24 seven now, my husband's having to work more now. And so he's working days, nights and Saturdays typically. And, um, and so I'm doing a whole lot more with no breaks, you know, and I used to do a little less and make sure I got breaks. And so it's just totally different in terms of the capacity in which we're all functioning, but no matter what that capacity looks like, it's all an invitation to define your perseverance and your, um, you know, your capabilities in a whole new, a whole new way. Like you have no idea what sort of armor you, you are suddenly putting on, but you're putting it on every day. And that's pretty amazing, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel like time is an incredible commodity we have right now. Um, but the hard part is getting out of our own brains of, of what our used to rhythm be and being okay with like, saying, listen, this is a whole different circumstance. So how do I want to define my whole new life inside of that circumstance? Like, cause that's truly where we all are is we all have this whole new perspective. There's people that have lost jobs, man, that's going to be an invitation for them to take a different one that could alter their life in the greatest way ever. But are we going to look at it that way? Or are we going to, you know, how, and it's important to grieve. It's important to look at changes and be sad. It's important to go through all the emotions for sure, but to drown in them and stand still in that, you know, that's, that's where it's like, man, no, there's so much more. There's so much goodness coming into this and we have time right now to find it and fight for it. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, Don, do you have another question? Yeah, we have actually uh, two questions, one from a YouTube viewer and one from a Facebook viewer. Um, So as we get close to seven, um, I think the second question will really take us out in a fun way. Um, But Ryan wants to know, have there been any new traditions that have come out of this whole situation for your family? Chelsea, I think that's you. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you wanted to both answer. Um, For us, new tradition, I would say, uh, yes, yes. And I'll just, um, this is, this is, I bought sanity. Yeah, it was for sale for a little over a hundred dollars. We bought our kids a TV. <laughs> <laughs> so our, uh, <laughs> we, uh, my daughter in her room, there's a spot on one of her like dresser things where I was like, you know, a TV could go right there and we could create camp COVID. My friend, I was talking to a few of my friends who are like my total sanity, you know, we're all in the same mom position in life. And I'm like, is this crazy? Help me know if this is starting something terrible. Like, what am I missing? You know, am I starting a terrible habit by doing this TV? My friends were like, dude, it's camp COVID. Like all the, all the rules are off the table. Like you can totally do this. You can totally be like, listen guys, like we're in a totally new situation. You don't get to see your friends. You are each other's best friends. So we're going to give you guys a whole other situation where you get to have fun, have your own little space, 
And so we set up her room to be just kind of a cute little getaway. And so whenever we're done with school every day, I'm like, guess what time it is? Camp COVID. And my son, my son can't really like, he's like camp COVID. So he calls it the virus fort. (laughs) (laughs) Like, can we go to the virus fort? He loves it. He literally, um, we had told them they would never have a TV in their room. Um, just cause they're seven and five. And that's just, we don't, if we had another baby or something and we needed this sort of, we needed to resort to this sooner, maybe, but we were like, listen, no, you're never going to have a TV in your room. Like give it up. You know, maybe eventually we'll get a larger home and there will be a game room and a TV in there, but no, not in your room. Just no. And yeah. so when this happened, Skylar was like, I am a king. And my sister's the queen and you're treating us like a king and a queen. And I can't believe it. And he kept saying it over and over. And then when he would say it over and over, he'd be like, I just, I can't help but say it over and over, but it just, I just feel like a king, like the privileges you give us is just so much. It's just so nice, mom. I mean, he just went on and on. And I was like, this was kind of worth the money, (laughs) what I'm hearing from you right now. Yeah. And time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was really sweet. So that's new. And then also I would say we're reading longer at night and really enjoying that as a family. We sit in the living room and sometimes I read until everyone's asleep, including my husband. And it's just this really sweet, peaceful moment where it's like, man, darkness can't penetrate that. Like your sweet little innocent kids falling asleep on couches, listening to a book and your husband doing the same. And you look around the room and there's just this poetic stillness that is profoundly beautiful that this time bought because we don't have to be up at six 30 in the morning, you know? Um, so I would say that's, that's really, really sweet. So I'd say for me, like I'm sitting at the table eating more, like actually sitting down to eat, which never happens. Um, And actually my husband and I actually spent actual time together, which we schedule out a lot of things and there's been a lot of um, spontaneity, you know, so that's fun and um, unexpected really like family bonding, you know, there has been that, but there are definitely moments I think that we just want, I, there are some normalcy things where I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. Or, Oh, I'm going to that or just things I depend on to keep my day going that I don't have. And so it's interesting to go back and forth in my head to those things, but I can definitely point out a few things where it's like, Oh, I think I'm going to make this stick around more. I just had no idea. I don't think I would have ever stopped to do it. I honestly really don't. Like, I think I would have told myself to, but to actually like be forced upon me, I'm grateful already. And it's only been like, I guess like it's been a month, right? I don't know. Hasn't it been about a month? We started Um, regularly reading this uh, joke book and um, yeah, it's hysterical. The kids love jokes and um, riddles and they're just, I mean, it's like Brian barely has started eating his food and the kids are like, can you read the book now? You know? And so we do at dinner and they get all excited and it's pretty cute. Um, before we ask that last question, I just want to put out there that, um, I know we're not going to be talking about everything that I really want to talk about because I feel like in just one hour, we've just kind of skimmed the top, but, um, Chelsea is writing a book and, um, it's in the process and, um, I am so excited to not only read it, but just to hear what she has to say. Um, if you haven't seen her writings, I, We'll definitely post like she'll be posted um 
her like her Facebook page will be posted to mine. But um, if you click on her page, you can see some of the things that she's written. And she's a very beautiful writer. I'm not biased. I'm actually really not biased because it's not me just saying that. It's a lot of people. And I just know that this book is going to be something that a lot of people will benefit from and um, gain some huge insight. And it's just such, I, you know, I know how she writes and I know that it's amazing. So, um, and yes, I do get a little bragging rights cause I am her sister, but I actually really am not being biased. Okay. <laughs> I would say this about anybody. Um, but anyway, um, so I'm looking forward to that being done. Do you know approximate, like, and like you're kind of in the middle of it, right? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I would say coronavirus definitely put a kink in the old flow of getting it yeah, all, which you're used to. That's no biggie. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I'm hopeful to have it done. I was hopeful to have it done by summertime, but then I inherited homeschool teacher job. And so I'm doing more of that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. but I'm hopeful now kind of to have it done by the end of the summer if possible. Um, because with camp COVID that I purchased, um, I'm hopeful that whenever homeschool ends, they can kind of hang out in there a little bit more and I, I can, you know, at least get an hour or two in a day more so and, and just get it going again. So awesome. So yeah. I look forward to that. So Don, do you have another question? Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, I did want to take a moment to really thank Chelsea, uh, for sharing her story and, um, I, I thought it was really awesome and I can't wait to read your book. Um, Whenever you get around to it, no pressure. Um, but we did have one final comment from a viewer. Um, Angie wants to know where you got those fantastic earrings. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> they are fantastic earrings. Thank you for noticing. They are. Gosh, they Angie. match your hair, which my is hair. awesome. And the um, back of your head. They do. They do match <laughs> my hair. <laughs> and your shirt. Yeah. This is, um, these are my like. I did something for myself today. Earrings. Like I put them on and I'm like, look, I love put myself. Together. <laughs> yeah. Together. Um, they, I got them at this place called the painted tree. And what they are is a, it's a store filled with like vendor booths. And so they sell a bunch of these like type of little leather earrings that are super lightweight and comfortable and fun and cute. And I literally bought these cause I was like, they match my hair. I could wear anything with them cause they just match my hair. So but I really can't, I, they should probably also match my outfit. So <laughs> you do you, you do you, yeah. I got them in uh, Texas. So I don't, I don't know if that will help you, Angie, but yeah, it's yeah. called the pantry. Pantry. There pantry. we go. <laughs> Great. Right. Well, Tiffany, did you have any other closing thoughts before I wrap up? Well, obviously I love you, Chels. And, um, yeah, you're just such a gift and a light to so many people. And I'm really fortunate to have you as my sister. And thank you for being my first non-immediate family member on the podcast. So, yeah. It's so weird. You call me a non-immediate family member. I know. I know. I'm like, uh, you're my sister. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, technically the Murphys, like, I know it's so weird, right? It's I like, know it's so weird. I'm like, don't is... you remember? I went to every friend house with you <laughs> in our neighborhood. <laughs> so another little inside fact about Chelsea and I is that we have a sister me club, which if you haven't heard of it, you will now, I should have worn my sister shirt. We, oh my gosh. Time. We'll do it Whatever. next time. Yeah. Um, but I invented it and, um, and basically 
any sister, you had to have a sister to be in it. And so mm -hmm. it still carries on to this day. So it's just crazy. But, um, Chelsea, you know, she was my partner in crime. Yeah. It was formed around a patch of clovers with bricks that had fallen off the wing walls of my parents' house. <laughs> We put God bless the clovers. <laughs> yeah. We put them around the patch of clovers and made a little entrance. And I was always bummed. There wasn't like an actual door to our club. Um, I was more concerned about that. Tiff was more concerned about her credentials as president. <laughs> <laughs> She's very adamant of it. I mean, I don't they're know all written down, by the way, they're all written down. They have been filed in a very special spot. Um, yeah. So they, they do exist. And yeah. Yeah. Shout so, out to anyway. Tasha. Who's in it as well. Yep. Tasha, Tasha, and, um, our, and, our, and our moms and our aunts, all the people that yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that is my closing thought. Thank you, Don, for having um, topical life on there and um, on combat COVID-19. You've been listening to this topical life with Tiffany Murphy available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support this topical life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com front slash this topical life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories because life ain't a vacation.